how this relates 2023 5783 God taking us out to bring us in to fulfill what he has prophesied and promised not only to our forefathers of this nation but also to those who have stood the Lord said to me he said Hank there will be some who will be ecstatic there will be some who will be brought into further fear some will be disappointed and he said this to me he said what people are doing is they're looking to be the answer and again we get we keep getting pulled into human calendars now can I tell you why you need to pray because if Jesus the Messiah was in the garden of Gethsemane and prophets were stoned and their blood was still crying out all the way from Abel till the time of Jesus and he's in the garden and he literally is feeling the weight of this that he says father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not whose will so at that moment he had to submit his will through obedience he endured the cross he had to submit his will every prophet and prophecy that was ever declared through a mouth of a prophet or any prophecy about the messiah was hanging in the balance at the obedience of a man would they obey so that they can fulfill what God's heart mind will and agenda is through the prophets are you listening now watch so the Lord brought me to this narrative too many people are looking to the calendar event and they don't understand what we heard from Kat Kerr and and I've said it not knowing that Kat experienced this is God is not held to our human calendar dates watch how it begins to affect the earth so I said God how does that work he said and I want to watch my time he said it, we talk about red wave this was a red sea and God waited for a red wave which is what happened a red wave came right you could say because it was a red sea red wave right not actual color but you get it not by his might not by his power but by the spirit of god in the middle god pulled the house down that was corrupt and evil second samuel 23 shama in the middle of the field first chronicles 11:14 it says they took their stand in the middle of the field and defeated the philistines and the lord brought great victory to the nation where was it at? In the middle of the field when they took a stand, God answered and took out the enemy and liberated and freed a nation. This clip was taken from a series of clips that were put together, it looks like, from Hank Kuhneman's prophetic word that he saw next year and it all unraveled. This was released on October 21st of 2022. We're going to hear a clip here in just a minute of him. He takes the stage with Robin Bullock and Kent Christmas and a few other people, and they begin to prophesy. Now, we will hear other clips today from Hank Kuhneman among a couple other people that are self-professing prophets or worship leaders that people have identified in the New Apostolic Reformation. And 
coming out of the midterm elections that we had last week, I thought it was appropriate to talk about this because we had talked about the NAR statement a few weeks ago, and the bulk of the other part of the statement dealt with Christian nationalism. Now, I'm going to touch a little bit on that, but really what stood out to me were the results of the midterm election, and I knew that there had been prophetic words released about a red wave. That's been said before during midterm elections, and I wanted to see what people had said that were professing prophets. But the biggest thing is that was leading up, that was the crescendo or the climax leading up to the midterms, was there was this talk about victory. And you can hear Hank Kuhneman talking about this. There was this victory that God's going to bring us through this, like the Red Sea. How many times have we heard the Red Sea moment? I myself wrote a word that Charisma published several years ago about the Red Sea moment. And Elijah List shared it as well. And it's no longer on my blog any longer, but nevertheless, it was something that I said as well. And it's these regurgitated, recycled words when we don't really understand the original meaning of the scripture. And there's also that's glaring that we're missing as well is that we are banking on society and culture changing and that being the victory rather than focusing on the victory that Christ has already given us through what he did on the cross and and what that means. So I wanted to talk about that today in hopes that I can steer you back to scripture and to encourage you in the word of God and also share some of these clips with you for consideration so that we can understand that our hope is not in those who claim to be prophets, but it's not in those who claim to uh, know the, the times and seasons. Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in any man or woman, political figure, anybody on this earth. But our hope is in Christ, and we have much, much hope and much joy because of Christ, because of what God did on our behalf. With that, I hope that you'll be encouraged today by this episode as we ponder on these things and what gives us great joy through victory in Christ. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. It was the day after the midterm election last week, and of course, when you popped on social media, there was news everywhere. People were sounding off. They, some people were excited, depending on who you talked to. Some people were disappointed or discouraged, and some people were very neutral. And as I was going through some of the social media posts and just noting some of the reactions and the comments, I noticed that there were people posting about the prophetic words that had been released. And when I looked under the comments, I noticed this one in particular from an individual. And this person was expressing frustration with the prophets because they were putting their trust in them. They expressed that in the comment and said that the prophets were promising and stating that God was going to come through and that these certain things were going to take place, but they were becoming frustrated with them and they were even wondering if they should continue to listen to them. Even though others would get discouraged by it, to me, it's a glimmer of hope. Because this person is starting to question, and I'm hoping that they'll return to Scripture. Now, I didn't know this person. It was merely an observation and I was, as I was going through social media. But I began wondering about this comment, and that got me to looking and digging, as I normally do, when I'm wanting to find topics to talk about that are going to help other people that have come out of this movement or questioning things in this movement, and to ultimately guide back to Scripture, to point back to Scripture, to the more sure word of prophecy as we talked about last week, 
and to understand that the Bible is sufficient in us understanding all that we need to know to grow in godliness, to be a believer in Christ, to glorify God. And it also encourages us in these difficult times that we face, whether in this nation or other nations of the world. I wanted to talk about two different things today that have to do with this, one of which are those that are professing prophets to share some examples with you of what has been said over the past months or even to uh, last year or early this year about the midterms and to also point back to scripture to see what true victory looks like in Christ. The concern that I have is that people are placing their hope in the cultural transformation and that's how they're gauging that we have victory where we know that Jesus said his kingdom in John 18:36 was not of this world and our hope is not in cultural change though it's okay for us to want laws to change and for the culture to transform, but we're not told to domineer or to dominate as Christians. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So I'm going to offer some food for thought for you. I'm going to offer some things for you to consider if they're biblically sound or if they're in error, and then also look at what the Bible has to say. And I'm hoping at the end of this that you will be encouraged by the word of God and by what Christ has done. Now, I played a few minutes ago a clip from Hank Kuhneman, and I wanted to play a little bit more from that very same service where I told you that at the end of it, they were going to make a prophetic declaration. And he said that Robin Bullock's prophecy needed to be honored and it needed to be obeyed, and they were going to do a prophetic act. And you'll see, and what you can't see on the podcast is that Robin Bullock is going to be waving a staff around, a wooden staff, in the air in a circle. And they're going to be making decrees and declarations, and they're going to be talking about a turnaround, and it's going to be referencing the midterm election and in the nation of America. So let's have a listen for a little bit as to what that sounded like on October 21st of this year. What I feel to do as he was preaching Prophet Robin, and and for those of you that are looking on going, okay, I'm trying to figure all this out. God gave you prophetic narratives as I was speaking about what is coming what's on god's agenda that is already written and declared in this book now robin bullock is holding two different books it looks like in his hand when you see this on the video it looks like there's probably one of them is the bible i'm not quite sure what the other one is and i'm not sure which book he's referring to that has the prophetic promises I know scripture has prophetic promises, but we can't say that if he's writing a personal journal that those are bona fide prophetic promises from God. So sometimes, well, let me just say it this way. Why did they have to go physically around the walls of Jericho? Because there were things that were written in the Lamb's book of life concerning Israel, their nation, the future that was already declared that required people's agreement and cooperation. They went around Jericho because God told them to, and they were to obey what God said. That's the gist of it, that we are to obey what God says to do. Men is being deceived and misguided and even misdirected because God is saying, it's my turn, my terms, I'm stepping in. So what is it going to require? But what we need to do is we need to do what this man has been prophesying when I went down to beautiful Alabama, by the way. And we need to do what he said. We are already in a new year. We're already into 5783. The rest of the world's going to catch up three months later, right? But we got to forerun it. How do you forerun it? 
they walked around the walls of Jericho in a prophetic act. I believe we need to do a prophetic act. The divine turnaround. The divine shift. When things are going to begin to accelerate and the enemy is going to get it very, very harshly. So they're going to do a prophetic act. And we're going to play just a little bit of that here in a minute. But I want you to... to Remember the words that he's saying about the turnaround, the midturn, because I'm going to play a couple of clips from uh, Flashpoint, which is Kenneth Copeland's um, network show that he has, where there's a host that has different prophets on there to share insights and such about political matters and cultural matters. So we'll hear him say this again, that God's given him this word and that he wants to make it clear he never prophesied a red wave of any kind, but that he heard the midturn uh, during the midterms. And he takes it back to Exodus when the Israelites are parting, going through the parted Red Sea. And in the middle of the sea, he says, that's where God made the midturn to deal with and, and punish and destroy the Egyptian army, Pharaoh's army. So we're going to hear a little bit of this prophetic act. They're going to start decreeing and declaring. So play a little bit of that, and then we'll move forward. I believe we need to get up in the spirit. I believe that your staff needs to be held up high and it needs to be turned in the spirit. And I believe that we, for your own life, for your family, for your city, some of you just need to begin to turn around. Are you ready? I want us to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost for a minute because maybe you've got a harshness of a sickness in your body. Maybe you've got something of mental oppression that's been trying to attack you. This but you will bring a receding and a freedom to the nations. Come on, come on, just begin to turn around. Come on, we speak a divine turnaround. It's turning in our lives. It's turning in our bodies. It's turning in our finances. It's turning in our economy. It's turning for this church. It's turning for a place of worship. Come on. Come on. Let it be sealed. Let it be activated. Come on, son, you need to begin to turn around. Come on, I want to see you physically turn around. Come on. Come on, turn around. Those of you that are watching, if you've got to move your arm. You say it's turning for me. Come on, everybody do this now with your hand. Like you're putting up your rod of authority. Come on, every every spirit of the devil. Every opposing force is being drowned. Is being judged. You heard him talk about you want to prophetically do do these acts of turning around and you also want to put your hand up in the air like you're holding a rod and a staff. We're going to come back to another example in just a minute of someone doing that in worship before the elections and doing a prophetic act like this too. I would just say this about some of these things is that it's placing unnecessary burdens on people. It's one thing to tell people to pray for um, the elections to pray that that God would that God's will would be done in what's going to take place in the elections to pray for leaders it's one thing to do that it's another thing to do things like this and to put unnecessary burdens on people to tell them they need they are to listen to the prophets 
and to obey the prophets. And I'll play that in just a minute when he um, references that from 2 Chronicles 2020. It's one thing to pray and to ask God to be merciful, that, um, that there would be favorable outcome, that, you know, different things like that we can ask according and ask in accordance with God's will. It's a whole other thing to do these different things. And again, I mean, I've said this on other episodes, but this is like paganistic type behavior, it seems like. Very paganistic. For those that may just be listening to this the first time and you may be thinking, well, that's really judgmental. You don't know anything about this movement. I assure you very well. I am well versed. <laughs> there, there may be things that I don't know that go on in this particular movement, but I can tell you with certainty, I was in this for, for quite a many years. And so I am well versed in doing these prophetic acts and decreeing and declaring and commanding and demanding. And I think that we're, we're starting to see people that are paying attention to this and they're noticing, I pray, that, that there is nothing fruitful coming from these things and this is not biblical behavior. With that, I want to move on to a couple more short clips of Hank Kuhneman talking about the prophetic word that he got about the midterms. And just remember, too, again, we're talking from a perspective on that on that side of the belief system. They'll say, you know, it's in God, but we really want to see uh, we want to to um, see the culture transformed. We want to um, see it taken for Christ. It's dominion theology. And I know that there's the term the Christian nationalism and such. We'll talk a little, just a, a little bit about that. But I want to play these clips for you. And, and again, just remind you, this is about victory. And keep that in the back of your mind. What does victory look like for the believer in Christ? And this next clip was footage from October 20th of 2022, a day before the service I just played for you, where we're on Flashpoint, and it was a live session. It looks like, like a, a Q&A session or um, a roundtable, if you will. But Hank Kuhneman is on here, and he is saying this about the prophetic word, not midterms, but midterms and God's terms. God is bringing us out to bring us in. To what? It then goes on and says to give us the land that he promised. To give us America and what he promised. To give us what we've prayed. What we've prophesied. What we have stood for. This is what God is doing. He's bringing us out to bring us in. Now, lastly, you asked the question. Midterms. So I pressed God. I said, what are you saying? And God said, Hank, it's not about the midterms. He said, it's about something that is on my calendar that I have aligned with the midterms. I said, what is it? He said, I have waited for this moment of the midterms on your calendar to do something on my events that shall be known as my terms. And it shall also be known as a midterm. And then he said, it will also be known as not only my terms, midterms, it will turn. And I said, what is going to happen, God? Tell me what is coming. And he said these words. He said, go and read Exodus 14. In, watch this, verse 23. We're getting ready to head into 23. The Egyptians were set up by God to come into, watch this, the middle of the Red Sea. Where were they at? Amid term came God's terms, God's turn that absolutely dealt with the Egyptian socialistic government and agenda 
in the middle of the Red Sea and God brought his terms. He brought a term. He absolutely drowned them and set a nation free. And this is what God is saying. So God is saying that he's going to drown the enemies in America that are opposing him. That's what he's saying. See, this is not very clear. And when you're using Exodus 14 as a prophetic prescriptive word instead of a descriptive passage to understand first and foremost what God did for the for his people and secondly the type and shadows in there hearkening to Christ of hearkening to his salvation of him saving and delivering his people by the way if we want to talk about deliverance and I, I get hung up on that sometimes but you know people th- hear deliverance and they think demons We could go, that's a whole other topic for another day that I've talked about ad nauseum and probably will continue to do so. But at any rate, he's taking a passage that has nothing to do with this. And then he's saying, I want you to pay attention to this. He said, it's, God said it was on my terms. So are the election results God's terms? Were they done on his terms? Because it seems like that if we don't get what we think it should be um, in this movement, and then it's, well, the people didn't pray enough. You, you just didn't fast enough, and you just didn't pray enough. And, and it's burdens on you. The, the blame is on you, rather than acknowledging the sovereignty of God. See, that's the thing here, too, is that the sovereignty of God will be ignored. That they'll, get, they'll pay homage to it. They'll tip their hat to it in, in different ways and in different phraseologies and things like that. But ultimately, the sovereignty of God is rejected. Because you're, you are the one that has dominion. You have authority. Even though Jesus, the all authority has been given to him, according to Matthew 28, the authority is now on you, and you have authority over everything. And then when things don't go right, it's, well, you know, the church didn't do this, they didn't do that. They didn't listen to the prophets. They didn't believe the prophets. Well, I think that we need to get back to Scripture and back to the truth of the Word of God and quit listening to these people because it's not proving to be fruitful. I just hope that you notice some of these things in here, that he's using this. And again, this is not the first time that Exodus 14 with the Red Sea has been used. This is being recycled as a word for this and for the nation and to save America. This is not about um, God having a covenant with America. God doesn't have a special covenant with America. The gospel is about saving souls, about salvation, through faith in Christ alone and delivering people from the wrath of God and from their rebellion against God and the punishment that that is due for that rebellion. So the gospel is the good news that, that is supposed to be brought through those that have once been held captive, but are no longer captive, but are set free. You and I as believers in Christ are set free by the power of God. We have victory regardless of what this world looks like. We have victory. Whenever you hear these things like this, I want you just to pay attention and think in your mind, where is this in Scripture? What does this passage really have to do with? Does it have to do with 2022 midterm elections? Or does this have a far greater meaning to it that is pointing to Christ? I mean, that's a far better message to be ministering and be proclaiming than our hope being on a midterm election outcome. Let's see what else he says at this Flashpoint Roundtable. Listen, because I'm carrying the word of the Lord. Prophets have taken a lot of garbage. I've taken a lot of heat, but I'm here to tell you I am not giving you fluff. This is about God's terms. 
Things turning. Don't look at the midterms. It's not about your expectations. It's about what God has chosen. Now watch this. In the middle of the Red Sea, it turned. It was God's turn. It was God's terms. But also, it says in the book of Kings that uh, uh, Isaiah, in the middle court, heard the word of the Lord. Notice, when did he hear the word of the Lord? In the middle. And the word of the Lord was to go to a king who was sick and say, I've heard your prayers, and not only am I going to restore you, but I'm going to turn back the time as if it didn't happen, and I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to touch the kingdom that you are representing. Because God's in a divine reset that will, be a re- that will bring about a receding. Lastly. All right, I'll stop with it. He talks about Samson being between two pillars and also uses that to allude to the middle of and the and what God's word is saying. And this is just another observation with some of the words that are being stated here as far as what's well, not on your timing, it's on God's timing. It almost seems like it's trying to give a way out when the prophecy is it fails. And well, again, it's putting blame on another person rather than the person that's prophesying saying, well, no, I didn't hear from God. This was wrong. And it was a false prophecy. And I'm, I need to repent of this and be held accountable for this. But this is not something that you will hear um, from a lot of these people. They will not take responsibility for when this happens. Now, there's one more clip I want to play from Hank Kuhneman. This was again on Flashpoint. And this was um, on a, uh, looks like an interview that they were doing with several different people. And so he starts talking about, um, were they wrong? Now, this, this clip comes from a Flashpoint video filmed five days ago, November 9th of 2022, on this program. And it's an election discussion. The title of the video is called, Were We Wrong? Hang on. And so here is the the host, I believe his name is Gene, and he's going to be talking with Hank Kuhneman. This is following the election. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are winning. I know you didn't think that, but we are. We are winning. Don't give up just yet. Just hang in there. Take a deep breath, America. We've got a lot of good news. Let me bring in Pastor Hank Kuhneman from Omaha first. Hello, Pastor Hank. Welcome. I would say that the greatest news we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I digress. All right, so listen, I want to pull up right off the top a prophecy from October 30th. Uh, then I'll let you, uh, we're just going to kind of hit the highlights here, Pastor Hank. But go ahead, sure. guys, put that on the screen. God's terms at the midterm. But listen just, to me. This is about my time. This is about my hands. Do not look to a day. Do not look to a midterm event. For if you do, you will not fully understand that there's a moment where it shall be as though what is happening. Do not let this fool you, for Israel thought the same thing in the middle of the sea. We're going to hear him talk a little bit more about that. Uh, And yet, there was a great victory, and there's a victory, for I've declared that there is an unraveling that shall continue to take place, and there shall be reversals that will reset this earth again. Uh, This is, uh, therefore, I say do not put your hopes in just a day for I am not limited to man's time or man's day. For I've said, and I say it to you, so you will not be moved. This is my terms. Uh, okay, I think I got, I got two more. Let me. I'll wait for the legs too. But Pastor Hank, I want you to comment on that because, as I sure. remember, we've talked before we went on the air, uh, yeah. as before we got to uh, election day. We were all a little bit anxious about this red wave. And on election day, I was talking to people that were 
just emphatic we were going to have the tsunami. Uh, but you weren't one of them. You were uh, hesitant. You know, you and I talked several times. I want you to speak yeah. to that, and then I'll read the, the second, the last two pages of that. Yeah. You know, Pastor Gene, as I've said for two years, I don't really watch the news at all. And the reason is because I feel a tremendous responsibility from the Lord. You have three realms of information that come. One is from the throne room. Second is the second heaven or what we call the prince of the power of the air. The enemy gets in there. Witchcraft, occult, spiritual warfare. False prophecy. Then the third realm, which is the first realm, is the media, the culture, things that people are talking about. And so we have a responsibility to report what we hear from heaven. And so I say that because as I have been pressing in and was pressing in, with the Lord, he never said to me, red wave. And I said it on this program, even uh, the last two weeks at my church, I said, "If yeah, right. I said it Tuesday night on Flashpoint, I said to others, listen, in my church, others may be prophesying that, they may be hearing something different. I'm not here to contest that, uh, even really try to compare it. I'm just telling you what I heard the Lord say. And the reason why God wanted me to stay focused, not on saying a red wave was because he had something that he wanted the people to hear and this is so important that you that are listening right now understand the prophecy said it ahead of time gotta look at what god said he said don't look at the day and that's so important folks because the end of the prophecy gave us an indication of what god's got I think you're going to see some amazing reversals take place. And then he said, ultimately, there's going to be a reset. Why? God is saving America. When he drove out the giants, it was little by little. And that's what we have to remember. It was a process. It took time. But I just want to say this last thing. I'm a little long-winded because I want people to get what God is saying. Watch what you're saying with your mouth. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. In Numbers, uh, what is it, 14, verse 24. And the reason they had a different spirit is they kept their mouth right. Because before that, in, in, in another verse, in verse like 23 of the same chapter, God said, you have been complaining these 10 times. That's actually not accurate. Because Caleb and Joshua, it wasn't because they kept their mouth right. It's because they believed God. They did not rebel against him, and they believed him. They had faith in what he said. The people that grumbled and complained, they did not believe. They did not believe what God had already spoken. That was the problem. So it's this whole thing again. Uh, I'm going to stop with that one because there's one more clip from Hank Coonham I don't want to play because this ha is relevant to the Second Chronicles 2020 verse. It's been brought up, and he's brought this up before, especially in the election time of, of 2020. But you'll hear this is that he's alluding to the fact, well, you need to keep your mouth right. You know, you need to watch what you say. That has no bearing on the results of this election or anything else for that matter. As far as your words having power and you being able to watch your mouth, it's about you putting your faith and hope in God and believing that God keeps his promises of what he says in his word rather than what these people are saying, which are empty things. They're, they're prophesying either from another spirit or they're prophesying from their own heart or their own imaginations and, and their own desires of wanting to see the culture change and wanting people to come into power. So there's one last clip I want to play for you again from another flashpoint where he is talking about the a, a prophetic update. This prophetic update was filmed November 2nd of 2022 
prior to Hank Kuhneman saying something, one of the clips they showed was Lance Wall now alluding to the uh, blood moon that would be visible on the day of the election. And so he was saying that there were rabbis that were believing this was a significant thing as far as the blood moon. And then there was another gentleman that was on this flashpoint that also had this to say about the election. What are you sensing in our final week? And I'm being serious. What are you sensing uh, well, as we go well, into this? Uh, yeah, let me do the let me do the political please, series please commentary grab here. That so, so if you want to take something from the blood red moon, it's going to be a red tidal wave on election day. I've been saying this for weeks. There's going to be a much bigger swing than people think. It's not going to be you know 10 or 20 in the house. It's going to be 30, 40, 50. It's going to be at least 54 in the Senate, maybe 55. Uh, I'm just much more bullish. Hispanics are going to shock people and mama bears. Those are the two uh, demographics that are going to really swing this election. They're upset about crime, inflation, politics in the classroom, and the church is waking up. They're going to show up. John Grace, but that doesn't mean you you don't go vote. Go vote. And yes, those things matter. We should go vote, by the way. Um, and, And we should have concerns over things in our society. Having said that, where is our hope in victory? It's not in society changing, and it's not in cultural transformation, and it's not in us domineering society and the government and other areas, the seven mountains of influence. Our hope is in Christ, regardless of what the world looks like, and we know that it's going to get worse because Scripture tells us that. So let's see what Hank had to say during this broadcast on November 2nd, which was 13 days ago, and see what he says about the midterm elections and the results. The show you were asking me a question I was kind of mentioning about tough questions, blood moon, but I really want to address this. So people have asked me, Pastor Hank, has God spoke to you about a red wave? No, he has not spoke to me specifically about a red wave. However, what he did say to me is that this is the time on God's calendar, he's calling it God's term, God's turning or mid-turning. And I really believe this, that we're in a place right now in our nation, Deuteronomy 6, verse 23, God brought the nation out. Come on, he's going to bring us out. We're going to see it. To bring us in, to give us, it says, the land that he promised. We're going to get America back. That is not what Deuteronomy 6 is talking about. When you read in the Old Testament, the type and shadow, if I'm understanding the Bible correctly, the promised land is the type and shadow of God's people coming into eternal life, into what he has given. This is not, this has nothing to do with America being given back to us. Nothing at all to do with that. Ugh. Goodness gracious. So let's keep going. What the Lord did say to me is he likened it to the Red Sea. When they were in the middle of the Red Sea was when God determined it was his terms, his turning point, and he took out the Egyptian socialistic empire. I believe there will be a repeat of that. Secondly, 1 Kings chapter 18. It was in the midday that it looked like nothing was happening. There was no voice, no answer, uh, and no regard because they were calling and looking at the wrong thing. Don't look at a date. Don't get our eyes on the wrong thing. 
But un- yeah, don't focus on the day because they want to make it more generalized and extended out and move the goalpost. So don't focus on a day like you did in 2020 because then you're going to pigeonhole them in and it's going to make them more accountable for their false prophecies. Rather, you need to be sure that you're not focusing on that, but do it on in God's timing, despite the fact that God is outside of time, but he does work within our time. This is all confusing and, and so um, diluted the way that they talk about these things in order to um, e- evade responsibility for false prophecy. Tell the time of the evening sacrifice, three hours later, or there was a little bit of time after the midday or the midterm, it all came crashing down and the fire of God established uh, the truth. And I think that's what we're going to see. There'll be things that will be disputed, undisputed, and refuted. But I guarantee you, this... What things? See, God doesn't speak in vague generalities like this. God is specific. He knows what's coming. He knows the end from the beginning. Also take note when these prophets talk in these vague generalities, God does not talk this way. God knows the Holy Spirit, who is God, he knows everything. Nothing is hidden from him. And he doesn't talk in such a way that's so vague and so general that it could apply to any time, anywhere, with any person. Just think about that. This is the beginning. The Lord always does something in Scripture. He takes away the old to establish the new. This is what he's doing in our nation. There's a lot of things that are going to go away. They have to, so that God can establish something that is on his heart. It's the harvest. It's reformation, revival. And it's a new era that will have new faces and people that will rise up that will bring hope back to this country and bring about a future for our children. And then I wanted to say this, between now and the uh, midterm next next week, we need to do what they did in Second Chronicles 2020 and it's this they didn't get into doubt they didn't get into fear they got into speaking correctly i want to read second chronicles 2020 to you because i have heard mr kuhneman use this very passage during the 2020 elections following them because of people not listening and obeying the prophets second chronicles 2020 has to do with jehoshaphat's prayer when he was uh faced off with the moabites and the ammonites and they had came they they came against Jehoshaphat for battle and he began to be fearful and he prayed and he went before the Lord and humbled himself and he also called the other people to pray and to seek out the Lord and there was a prophetic word that was given to him by a levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly it talks about in verse 14 we see that Judah and um, and Jehoshaphat are all standing before the Lord with their little ones their wives and their children in verse 13 and when the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, um, the Levite, the sons of the Asaph, and he t- said, you know, you will not need to fight in this battle in verse 17. You'll stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So then we see that verse 18, um, it goes on and says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Now, verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. 
And when he had taken counsel in verse 21 with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, when you listen to this whole clip that he says, he actually refers to them singing and saying this, but that's in verse 21. When he says Second Chronicles 2020, he is referring to the fact that people are to believe the prophets in order for success to take place. In other words, we are to listen to him and to those who are pro- like prophet or professing to be prophets, such as Robin Bullock, Kat Kerr, and these other people, and believe them, and then we will have success. But again, this is the Old Testament. This is a descriptive historical account of what took place. And it also encourages us with those who turned to God and believed in him and trusted in him. They worshiped him. They trusted him. And then King Jehoshaphat encouraged the people at that time to believe in the, to believe the prophets what they had said because they spoke on behalf of God. They were his mouthpiece and they spoke. That is not to put their faith necessarily in that person. It is to put their faith in God because he keeps his promises because he is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie and he keeps his promises and he's faithful. It all points back to putting our trust in Christ, putting our trust in God to understand that what he says will come to pass. When things like this are said and they're vague or people say, well, this is what's going to take place and there's going to be a red wave. And it was like a red trickle that happened then that's not from God. That's not from God. And that needs to be acknowledged. If you're saying these things and you're, you're telling people that this is what's going to take place and that there's going to be a turnaround and there's going to be all this stuff that happens and then it doesn't pan out, then there needs to be some honest conversation about this and saying, this is not prophecy. This is not prophecy. This is not honoring God when a word that's deemed prophetic does not come to pass. This is irreverent, and it's bringing reproach on the name of Christ. Now, having said that, too, you know, Hank Kuhneman was not, not to pick on Hank, but there were other people that said things, too, in general about this or had prophetic acts that they did. One of which I want to talk about is Charlie Shamp for just a minute. Now, Charlie Shamp is another that professes to be a prophet. And he did an interview with a gentleman several months ago. And in that interview, he talked a little bit about alluding to the midterm and the red wave, which he had also prophesied a red wave in 2018. So I wanted to play a little bit of that so we could hear what Charlie had to say. We're, we're in a place of, of a real shift that's happening, mm. a real turning of the tide, especially in America. Um, I think that people are going to uh, see uh, some things that have been prophesied even years earlier um, mm-hmm. concerning the government of the United States. We're, we're going to see uh, a real shift in, mm-hmm. in, in the fall, especially uh, during, during the midterms. You know, I had had a word back in 2018 um, about a tsunami wave mm-hmm. uh, that hit. And I, I saw a, co- a correlation between the uh, midterm elections and what uh, the Lord was doing with a great awakening in, in America in particular. And I, I feel like that, you know, the Lord had shown me that prayed into the pro- you know, prophesied into it. And um, we're coming into that time where we're going to see uh, things transpire where that, 
I, you know, I, I saw that wave just hit from the East Coast and go all the way across um, America. So was it a good wave? <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so it, it's it's a real it's a it's a wave of the blood of Jesus. Wow. Where there's been a, a wave of it, there's so much I could unpack here, Luke. Because yeah, yeah, sure. um, yeah. years ago I had seen. Uh, a balance scale in the United States resting over the United States. And I had seen capitalism and communism. And um, the Lord told me when I saw that, that there would be a, uh, that the, that the church would make the decision on, on which way and which direction the United States would go. Would it forgive me for saying this? And perhaps maybe I'm missing something, but to say that we actually hold the power within ourselves to, to decide what the future is, it almost has this deistic view of God, that God has created everything and then he just kind of removed himself from the the presence of everything and that he's just far in the distance and that we're just praying to him. But then at the same time, there will be this double speak of going, well, you know, you need to have intimacy with God. So you need to, you know, get into this place where you're hearing in the secret place, hearing the voice of God and that you're hearing what the Lord has to say for people and giving, getting prophetic words. But then you have statements like this that are made, such as from Charlie Shamp, and I don't know what he meant by it. But when you make statements like that, it makes it sound as if that God is distant, that he is, that you have a deistic view of God creating the world. He took his hand off of it and he's just far away somewhere and he's not really involved in the, in the in what we're doing and it's all up to us all up to us and what we do in our actions and it's not to say that our actions aren't important but i hope that you get what i'm what what i'm trying to convey here is that we need to have a biblical understanding of what's going on and unfortunately this doesn't give us a biblical understanding now i know that we've used we've looked at several different examples and we are going to get into scripture but i wanted to have one more example to show you and I'm sure there's a plethora of other ones I could show you, but I thought these were pertinent to share. This one is from Sean Foyt. Now, Sean Foyt was a BSSM student at Bethel, and he is a well-known worship leader. He was very popular during the 2020 uh, time, during the during uh, the pandemic. He did these Let Us Worship services. I think he still does them. And he came out with a, a movie called Super Spreader. There's been some controversy with him throughout the years of different actions that he's done, from grave soaking to... Um, he reads omens. Uh, there's a video of him that I saw a while back of him uh, having a praying mantis on his arm and that he was saying that, that it was a sign that prayer was coming back to the church. But at any rate, there was a recent clip from him at a, um, a meeting called Reawaken America, and he is leading worship there. And in this, he is telling the people to do a prophetic act. How many believe we're going to have a victory on Tuesday? So come on, let's give a victory shout. Let's strike the ground and let's give a victory shout on the count of three. Are you ready? So here we go. Get your arrows out and just go strike. 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 Come on, keep going. Strike. Come on. Strike. Come on, strike the ground. Strike. Strike. Come on. Come on. You can see people on the video, they're taking their hands and acting like they have arrows in their hands. They don't have arrows in their hands. 
And this is from the Old Testament, the um, the account with one of the kings and one of the prophets, and uh, of, of this. And so it sounds like that they're taking that that descriptive passage and making it into prescriptive, and telling him, telling the people to do this act of them taking their arms without real arrows in them, but imaginary arrows, and acting like they're striking the air, striking the ground with them. Now, there was a video, one last video, <laughs> one last video, that I found of post-election where Sean Foyt had this to say following the midterm election. Everybody, I wanted to give you my post-election analysis. And before I do that, I wanted to just thank all of you across the world. We had hundreds of thousands of people join us in praying for seven days for these elections and uh, you guys were consistent, you were faithful in your prayers. Last night, we actually gathered in a celebration of worship and prayer in Orange County, a packed church full of people as the election results were coming in. We weren't fretting, we weren't nervous, we were totally realizing that God's in control, he's on the throne, and I think that's the best way to approach elections. Now, I do wanna talk about the results from last night, and of course, they're still coming in in many states. It wasn't what many people anticipated was going to be this massive red wave. However, I do think it's pretty amazing that we, you know, I think we're going to win Nevada and Arizona on the Senate side. I think we're going to hold in Georgia. Um, it's going to go to a runoff there. We might totally win the Senate. Um, and then, of course, we're going to win the House. And so the big thing is we're able to stop the Biden agenda. And the number one thing he wanted to do coming back into office was codify Roe v. Wade. And so we're blocking that. So that's an incredible win. Of course, we're seeing uh, things flip in Florida is incredible encouragement. We have races in California that we've won that we've never won in years. So there's a lot to be thankful for. Um, there's a lot that, that I feel like we, we accomplished a lot. However, I think the biggest concern for me and, and is the fact that what we're seeing among Gen Z Gen Z was voting overwhelmingly D plus 26, meaning that those people between the ages of 18 and, you know, 28, 29 were voting for horrific leftist policies. And, um, you know, they're voting for abortion on demand. They're voting for gender, you know, surgery on children. They're voting for, uh, of course, student loan payoff, which is which is really the Biden was trying to buy their vote, essentially. And they're voting for soft on crime policies, open borders. You know, attacks against the church, the FBI attacking pro-life people. I mean, it's these things are like, this is not a political thing. These are ideological battles. And I just, it goes to show me how much work we have to do to see a revival among Gen Z. I am burdened today for revival among Generation Z. And it gives me gives me fuel to the fire that's burning for us to take this revival to 50 state capitals. This is why we got to go for it. Like it is, it is revival or bust in America. Like that's the future generation. And we have all these prophetic promises and we got to see them become reality. And so we're going to pray. We're going to press on. Of course, you guys know we're going to 50 state capitals. And I wanted to catch the gist of that, but at any rate, it's not our job to make sure that prophecies come to pass because true prophecies from God will come to pass because of who God is. 
And so again, if there's things that he said, I agree with, you know, I, I agree that there are ideologies that need to be addressed. I'm thankful that there were certain victories that took place because I don't want to see the codifying of Roe versus Wade in our country. But laws, as I, have, as I said in the very first episode that I ever did for my podcast, when I talked about the issue of the Supreme Court and abortion, laws don't change the hearts of men and women. The gospel does. God changes people's hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can change laws all day and twice on Sunday. But if you don't have a regenerated heart, if you don't have a dead man brought to life by faith in Christ, by the, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and by hearing the gospel, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans ten seventeen. That's talking about the gospel. If you don't have a change in somebody's heart, laws mean nothing. Social transformation means nothing. And so with Gen Z, praise God, have a passion for them. But preach the gospel to them, man. Preach the gospel. That's what they need to hear. They don't need emotionalism and and to be hyped up and sensationalism. They need the gospel. They need to know why they need Christ. They need to understand what state they're in right now spiritually and why they need him and why they need a savior and the and the importance of the gospel that's what it needs and and i pray for revival for people i want to see revival in people that only comes through the gospel the preaching of the gospel and the power of god to save people that's what needs to be ministered so again there's there's many examples that i could share with you about some of the things that have been said but I want to move on and touch on a few things here. I want to read just one paragraph from gotquestions.org. It talks about Christian nationalism. And again, the NAR statement talked about Christian nationalism. I talked about the NAR part of it a couple weeks ago because honestly, they're two separate issues, but sometimes they get lumped together and there can be misconstruing and such on, on those, even with the term Christian nationalism. And there's nothing wrong with loving your country and, and um, being patriotic and wanting to see change in your country. There's nothing wrong with that. It becomes a problem when we have a, a wrong, unbiblical view of what we're supposed to do. Now, this second paragraph in here I thought was really good when he talks about what is Christian nationalism. It says, broadly speaking, biblical Christianity neither implies nor includes Christian nationalism. Christians are obligated to individually submit to the will of God, according to Romans 12.1, and to support one another along those lines. In practice, this means advocating for government actions consistent with a Christian worldview. It includes defying government commands to commit sin— um, Acts 5.29, and at the same time, a believer's primary mission is not earthly, let alone political. Again, John 18.36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. In fact, the main descriptor for a Christian's relationship to government is submission, Romans 13.1, not domination. Perspectives such as Christian dominionism or kingdom now theology rightly invite accusations of Christian nationalism, though such perspectives are not reflected in scripture. Now, I wanted to share a couple other sources with you, and then we're going to head straight to the Word of God. 
There's another article that I found. It's a very good website that I came across a while back. It's called CICministry.org. And the main minister is Bob DeWay. Um, I found an article a while back about the the true call of, of the prophetic in believers. And it's been so helpful. I printed it out and I've kept it because it really talks about biblical prophecy and what that means and what we should be proclaiming, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's this last paragraph that he has in this article um, and talking about the remnant in history. I want to read this to you. It's actually an appendix to an article that he had titled The Dominion Mandate and the Christian Reconstruction Movement. So in this appendix, the last paragraph under the section titled The Remnant in History, Bob DeWay said this, quote, world political and social dominion for the church was not envisioned by the writers of the New Testament. The idea of a remnant of faithful people is predominant in Scripture, particularly the Old Testament. This fits Paul's teaching in Romans and the universal witness of the Scripture. It never was the majority who were faithful to God. This also fits with the testimony of church history unto this day. The Reconstructionist agenda has had no historical fulfillment, biblical or otherwise. It is not understood or clearly taught by the writers of the New Testament. The thousands of years they claim to have to make it happen would not suffice, even if God were to allow history to run that long before the Lord's return. Jesus asked, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Luke 18.8. He did not seem to assume he would return to a Christianized society. End quote. I thought that was really helpful. I'm going to leave the link for that so you can check that out. Just trying to leave some resources for you for your additional Bible study that may be of assistance to you. The last source I wanted to look at was from Blue Letter Bible. That's another resource I like to check out from time to time. They have a lot of good resources on there in addition to reading different um, translations of the Bible that you can look at. But a lot of times they have devotionals on there and some articles that you can check out. There was this one article that was called, In What Ways Did Jesus Achieve Victory Over the Devil? And the summary of that article said this, The defeat of Satan by the Lord Jesus Christ is complete. Jesus has defeated Satan through his silent years, his temptation, public ministry, death, and resurrection. He continues to defeat Satan today through the lives of believers who have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transformed into the kingdom of light. When Christ returns, he will have Satan bound in the pit and then eventually thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus, therefore, will thoroughly defeat Satan. So having looked at all this, The ultimate question that we have that we want to come back to when we hear people on the other side of the aisle that are saying, well, we need victory. God's promising victory through these prophets. We need to listen. You need to listen to the prophets if you want to see success, according to 2 Chronicles 2020. We need victory. We need to pound our uh, fists in the air like we have fake arrows or imaginary arrows in our hands, and we need to strike the ground and claim victory. We need to jump up on the altar and cut ourselves like the prophets of Baal and cry out and call out until we see transformation turn around or come around. Now, nobody's going to say that they're like the prophets of Baal, but sometimes some of this stuff that goes on, it reminds me of that because it's just beating the air and talking to whatever we've concocted in order to say that this is what, what God has to say rather than turning back to the word of God because it seems like that the word of God may not be sufficient for some people, but the word of God is sufficient. And I want to encourage you, in our victory that we have in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That should encourage us, right? We should also be encouraged when we read 1 Corinthians 15. I encourage you to read that chapter in its entirety. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we see that death has been conquered. Satan has been conquered because of what Christ did. Our victory rests in him. And that's where we take great refuge is in what Christ did on the cross, the victory that he's won for us. We take great joy in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, when it says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We are to proclaim Christ. We have good news to share as believers in Christ. There is joy in our salvation. There is victory. There is freedom. And that freedom is not based on what our political climate looks like. It's not based on midterm election results. It's not based on any of that. Yes, we want to see things change. We want to see different areas of the government change that are doing wicked things, organizations no longer doing the things that they're doing. Yes, we want to see those things. And we need to pray and we need to be proactive about those things. But basing our hope in those things, basing our promises in what self-professing prophets are saying that's negating scripture and is also falsely prophesying, there's no hope in that. So we've got to get back to the truths that are found in the word of God. Romans 8 is another great chapter. I want to read that chapter to you because, you know, everything in, in scripture is encouraging to us and it's for, it's profitable for us. It's profitable for us as believers to understand. But I want you to, to listen to Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the law of him who raised if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
See, Jesus didn't promise us that we wouldn't have suffering and that we, we wouldn't have things to difficulties and hardships and trials to deal with in this world. But as he said in John 16, 33, he encouraged his disciples by reminding them that he had overcome the world. Romans 8 goes on to say in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, we live in a now and not yet. There are things that are not fully realized yet, but that doesn't mean that they're not true and those promises are not eternal. It just means that we live in the now and not yet right now. There are things that we have not fully realized and we will not until we're with Christ and we're glorified. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose." For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against us, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who and who is at the right hand of God, who who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, my friend, there are things we're going to face in this world. There is no promise that we will not face these, these difficulties, these persecutions, these tribulations. But we have hope. The victory through Christ is our hope. Our, con- our Redeemer is our hope. That's where we place our hope and our trust and our faith. Now, I want to guide us to a couple more scriptures before we part ways today. When we go to 1 John, we are reminded of two different things that we need to be aware of when we're talking about this particular uh, subject today. And, and I, again, I'm sure that there are many other verses we could go to, but these are the ones I wanted to pull out and encourage you to go to scripture and read for yourself 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, tells us this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Again, your hope and my hope are not in political belief systems or the people that oversee them. 
our hope is in Christ. Whether there are people that we voted for that get into office or whether there are people that are not, we are to obey what Scripture tells us to do because it is God speaking, and we are to glorify Christ, we are to pray, and we are to proclaim the gospel. And, per, and to always be willing to give a reason for the hope that we have, as we see in the epistle, one of the epistles from Peter. The last thing I want to remind you of, and not to leave it on a somber note, but I think it's something that we need to keep in mind. First John chapter 5, verse 19 says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. See, those that don't believe in Christ, they are under the power of of the God of this world, the little G, the prince of the power of the air. But those of us who are in Christ, we are no longer under Satan's power. And so we we can know that the wicked one or the evil one is at work in the world. And those who have submitted to rebelling against God are agreeing with Satan's nature. That doesn't mean they're possessed by Satan, but they're agreeing with his nature of rebellion against God. And we need to keep that in mind because it is vital that we minister and proclaim Christ and Christ crucified, his death, burial, and resurrection, the reason why he came, and the reason why people need good news to their bad news. It is so vital that we remember our victory in Christ, that we're not moved by the things that happen in this world. And the Lord is already victorious. He is not dependent upon us to conquer anything. He is the conqueror. He is already conquered. We live in a now and not yet, as I said. We still live in a fallen world. That world is not yet redeemed. It has been subjected to futility, as we read in Romans 8 a minute ago. But we are encouraged because those of us who are in Christ, we have been brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light, according to 1 Peter 2.9. And when he returns, the full reality of his victory will be manifested and completely understood. So I want you to keep that in mind when we're in this world, whether you're discouraged about and you live in the United States, whether you're discouraged about the midterm elections or wherever you live, if there's things going on, political upheaval and other issues going on in your own country and you're discouraged about it or you're frustrated or maybe you've put stock in what the prophets have said, I want to make a bold statement to you as I've said before. Stop listening to these people. They're not hearing the voice of God. They are negating what scripture says. They're not admitting when their prophecies are false, which makes them a false prophet. And they need to repent and turn from these ways because it's not honoring God. And the prophet that you need to listen to is Jesus. And you need to read his word. You need to read the word of God, meditate on it, hide it in your heart, study it, understand it, grow in fellowship with God because of the word of God and what he's done for you. Pray, offer up thanksgiving and praise and adoration to God. Come before him, before the throne of grace and offer your petitions to him. And, and pray and ask him. You don't command and you don't demand things. You ask God and then you trust him regardless of what you see because he is sovereign. He is in control and his ways are perfect. We don't need to be concerned when we see that things are getting darker. We just need to make sure that we're shining the light of Christ more brightly in the darkness. I hope that you've been encouraged by this today. If you don't mind, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to leave a five-star review. You can email me, dawn at lovesickscribe.com. And until next time, when we're on here together, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. 
And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.